Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I'm your host for the Facts Roundtable podcast. I'm a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog. Heading back to school during the COVID-19 pandemic can be extremely stressful. So today we're exploring how to keep our conversations with our children productive during these very uncertain times with FACTS Director of Behavioral Health, Emery Gewertz. Welcome, Emery. I'm always excited for our time together since you bring so many practical solutions to our listeners and especially to my family. So welcome today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. Excellent. Well, we're going to dive right in. So the COVID-19 pandemic has really thrown us off into this global crisis. And as we navigate these uncharted waters, many of us are discovering that the way we used to handle stress and conversations with our children actually need to change. So can you help us understand why, after being in this pandemic for six months, many of us are still feeling the same kind of stress that we felt when it first began? Absolutely. And I actually think that it's not surprising. And that's because one of the biggest sources of stress and anxiety comes from uncertainty. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we were uncertain. We've never charted this territory before. But now the uncertainty was regarding how are we going to finish the school year? And then the uncertainty became, how am I going to deal with my children with a summer of them at home, unable to interact with friends, unable to go to their camp? unable to sleep away at a summer program, right? And now the uncertainty is, again, it's shifted back to how are we going to do school online? I'm uncertain what the school year will bring. Will we close down again if we open? What will the spring look like? So we're still wrapped in this uncertainty. We're still wrapped in this fear of the future and heading into the unknown. So the stress is still high because it's obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. But we're going to have to embrace the uncertainty. And that can be really hard but it also can be really freeing. And the important part is beyond all that, it's going to be necessary. So will I get COVID-19? Maybe. Will school shut down again? Maybe. Will we get a vaccine by January? Maybe. Uncertainty is unsettling, but uncertainty is always and will always be part of the human experience. So the more comfortable we get with not being able to know and not being able to get an answer right now, the better off we'll be. Thank you for that insight. That I found actually very calming, just hearing you explain like uncertainty has a role in our lives. So thank you. I'm feeling a little calmer. I'm glad, Caroline. And absolutely, I think you actually put it really well that uncertainty does have a place in our lives. And if we think about it long enough, it's always had a place. There are so few things that we can be absolutely certain on even if we're 99.9% sure, right? Like Clorox is 99.9% effective. But there's still a 0.1% chance that it won't be. And 
but we trust it. Clorox, you know, we're going to wipe, especially for people with food allergies, we trust that when we wipe down the airplane seat or when we wipe the table that it will kill off everything. But we can never in life say with absolute certainty this is how things are going to go, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, and right in the middle. You know, that is so true. And I think that's almost like a fallacy we tell ourselves that we can control so much. But you're right. We really don't have as much control as we think we do. Mm-hmm. And we just rely on our knowledge and good judgment and just taking it day by day. Absolutely. All right. So let's circle back then around to stress. So right now, how much stress do you think our children are feeling? And if we can look at that from the different ages and stages. Mm, yeah. So across the lifespan, it's all going to look different. Young kids' is stress is going to manifest different than a high schooler's stress. But that's because they also have a perceived understanding of the world that is different, right? So I've heard a lot of kids that aren't necessarily scared of getting COVID-19, but they're scared of that image of the coronavirus. Do you know the one I'm talking about that's on all the media websites? It's that ball with this spiky stuff coming out of it. So that's what they think they're being attacked by. That's what they think is coming to get them. That's what they're scared of. And a high schooler, they're not going to be scared of that image. Maybe they'll think it's a little creepy and it is a little weird, but they're going to be more scared of, am I going to injure my parents accidentally or infect my grandparents, etc. But our role as parents or caregivers or as educators, it's going to be really important that no matter what age or stage our child or student is at, that you're not going to be fueling that stress and anxiety. We're not going to speak for them during this, saying things like, Emma doesn't want to go back to school when you haven't asked her. Or, you know, this is making Joey nervous. That can be damaging. So don't feed words into your kids, even if you do notice them maybe acting a little strange or maybe they are acting anxious. But unless you've talked to them, don't put words in their mouth because they actually might think that's how I have to feel. And if they're feeling anything on the contrary, they'll be afraid to tell you. If they do feel comfortable being in the classroom and they aren't nervous for their first day back and they're just so excited because they've missed being around people, even if it means wearing a mask, they might think, no, mom says that this is scary. I have to be scared. So we don't want, we want to make sure that we're not feeding words to our kids, no matter what age they are. So that would be my main thing to say. So what words would you suggest parents to use to be on the flip side of that, to be a little more positive, to help their child feel a little more confident? Well, that's all going to depend on where their kid's at, right? So I'd say we have to have the conversation first because maybe your kid is nervous. So then they're going to need your help. They're going to need you to drive by the school. They're going to need you to sit down and lay out what the plan is. Or I know my parents growing up, my favorite game to play was school. So maybe your kids were like me growing up and they like to play school. So you can play school, but you can play pandemic school and you can practice it in advance, right? You can have them go to class with the masks and sit really far apart in your kitchen. One kid sit there, like go to the extreme as a game, but to get them maybe eased down, calm down. But ultimately you're going to have to talk to your child because there is an appropriate amount of anxiety that no matter if you're five or you're 18 or you're 3264 that we should all be having because we're in an uncertain time. So some level of anxiety should be important because that's going to defend us. A little bit of anxiety is going to say there is something that's off and normal. So on the flip side, we don't want our 16-year-old being like, it's fine. This isn't scary at all. And even though we're saying you can only meet up with your friend if you're outside and you're social distance or 
perhaps some of our rules are no friends at all, whatever is comfortable for you, they're, they're secretly going to house parties or they're engaging in something that's not safe right now. So we do want our kids to have an appropriate level, but again, we don't want to feed it. So we want it to be just sort of like we've talked about in, in past podcasts. We always want an open, inviting conversation to see where our kids are at. Maybe they need a coaxed assistance and getting to a place where they have to understand, well, this is a real threat. Remember, you live with mom and dad. Maybe you guys out there, maybe you're immunocompromised or maybe your child doesn't understand that their asthma could be something that could make COVID-19 more serious if they got it, right? So maybe our kid does need to be coaxed into understanding better that this is serious, even though time's gone on. Or maybe on the flip side, they're too anxious and we're going to need to speak into that too by sitting down and like I said, role playing out perhaps school or driving by the school on your essential errands. If going to ShopRite or another grocery store, wherever you live in the US, if you pass your school or if it's only two minutes out of the way, maybe you need to drive by it every time you make an essential trip. Just remember that, remember you've been here before, it's a safe place. Or on the flip side, maybe your kid's going into ninth grade or they're going into fifth or sixth grade, depending on what middle school they're going to. So they actually haven't ever been there. So familiarizing yourself beforehand will go a long way. So let's go deeper now into back to school and how to hold those age-appropriate conversations. So if you can speak to heading to maybe a brand new school for the first time or just heading back, and if we can go by the different ages, so if we can start Mm -hmm. with lower elementary and maybe upper elementary, what is a good age-appropriate conversation? Right. So an important thing to note here is begin these conversations now. Don't make this a the night before school, honey, like, how are you feeling about going back to school tomorrow? We want to begin the conversations now to normalize it. Whether we like it or not, we're going back to school or we're going back to school online, whatever the choice that your district's made or that you've made personally. So we can, part of it's going to be making the conversation fun. Maybe your kid's into Pokemon or Paw Patrol, right? So get a mask that has that decorate on it. And then, like I said, practice at home, maybe by playing school, maybe by getting a hockey stick or a hula hoop and maybe having like a bumping game in your home so that kids that are in lower elementary school or upper elementary school get that really good visual about what six feet is or people shouldn't get close to you like that, but it can be fun. So that way when they're there and the teachers are saying you're too close, it's not scary. It's like, oh, it's like that game we played at home. Kids, especially younger kids, but it's really true of all people, learn by seeing and by doing. So if we're not doing it in the home, because obviously you're in your home, you don't need to wear a mask. But if we're not doing it, it's not going to become normal. So let's have them see you wear a mask. Let's have them see you socially distance. Do these games, even if they feel silly, it's going to reduce the anxiety of an upper elementary or lower elementary student. And that's kind of how you can bring in the conversations with students that are younger. Give them the visual and then See how afterwards, like let's say you do the hula hoop game, bumper car hula hoops, I'll say. Then ask them, how'd that make you feel? Do you think that you could play with kids that far away? And then brainstorm ideas about different games maybe they can play with their friends that aren't. Maybe, you know, if it's something you're comfortable with them, show them elbow bumping. Make sure when you go to school, you you give all your friends an elbow bump, you know, and make it something fun and new rather than scary and unknown. So that's how you would approach it with a younger kid. Make the conversation more fun and have them brainstorm with you. We always want to involve the children in it with us. I love how you brought up the example of how can you play with your friend at a distance. That's brilliant. Thank you. These are really powerful, practical tips. 
So now what do you think about middle school age kids? What would be a more appropriate conversation? So some of the stuff's going to be the same because socialization is going to be critical for any healthy development. But when we get older, kids can understand things at a deeper level. So we're in an unprecedented time. So this kind of socialization that middle school students might be used to isn't possible. But children are extremely adaptable and they've adapted before. You know, this isn't the first pandemic we've ever had as a human race, right? So we don't want to scare kids and middle school students. Some middle school students are older. Maturity levels vary greatly in middle school. We don't want to scare anybody into never wanting to socialize again. So you're also going to want to emphasize with middle school students that this time is temporary and ask them more point blank. What are their concerns? What's on their mind? At this age, they might start to be worried about mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, not necessarily themselves. So you're really going to want to emphasize the conversation about patience. We all know that middle school is a really trying time. So middle schoolers are really going to have to work on patience during this time. Again, we have all these unanswerable questions. So talk to them about patience. Talk to them about the fact that this is going to be temporary. And then the same thing, help them through the conversation, especially if they're going to school online, they're still going to need that social interaction. So schooling from home is not ideal because the social is needed at any age and especially in this kind of developmental age. So are you going to let them interact with kids within their bubble or neighbors or with cousins, or are you going to sign them up for some sort of remote programming club? That's going to be important. Don't let middle school students retreat Yes, reading is awesome. I totally encourage reading. But if your child is reading every day after online school, that's not going to be healthy. They're still going to need some sort of social interaction, whether you sign them up for an online program or you're letting them socially distance with someone you feel comfortable them hanging out around. It's not going to look perfect. But we're in a pandemic. We're not looking for perfect. We're looking for realistic. And that's what's going to be key with middle school students. Again, extremely sage advice. I feel like you're, you know, opening the door and letting the secrets out for us. You're unlocking those middle school minds. So oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. So now let's shift to the high school. So just like we've been talking about, high school is just one more level up. So again, high school students are going to be able to sort of like middle school students, we have more real conversations. But with high school students, it's going to be really important that you're going to give them accurate answers. High school students don't want to be lied to. They don't want to feel like you're hiding something from them. Give them accurate answers. Plan ahead with high school students and talk about the possibilities that are ahead of time. For instance, no matter where you're at right now, some states have started school. If you're in New Jersey like me, we're still about a month away from starting school. But we all sort of have an idea of what the fall will look like, but not the spring. And we technically don't know if things could change by the end of the first semester. But talk to them about the what ifs. And the what ifs might be overwhelming for a high school student. But say to them what you do know. Fill them in if your school had a night just for parents to go over what could be happening. Fill them in and let them know what the school is doing, but also let them know what you're doing. Let them know what you're working on. Let them know your thoughts. Don't bring them into your fears. Don't bring them into your anxieties. That is safe for your private time. We're talking about them now. But just reassure them with the fact that we don't know everything. That's to come and that's okay. So it's going to be really important to emphasize with high school students that we don't know, but it's okay. And we're going to have to rest with that. Again, 
we've talked about it in podcasts past when this was going on in the spring, but so milestones might be missed, but we can help honor them. So I'm sure if that's what's happened, we'll have to have deeper conversations about that, but make sure that you don't miss them. As a parent, you don't miss them. Encourage perhaps other trusted adults in your child's life to acknowledge them, to acknowledge that they're moving on, that they're growing, that they're doing great things. If they're not getting the verbal praise or the physical experience that they might have done in the past or been able to if this wasn't a pandemic. It's too soon to call what spring will bring, what the summer will bring of next year, or even what late fall will bring. But I think the important thing to remember for high school students and to tell them is that even though we like the extras, yes, dining is fun. Yes, going bowling with your friends is fun. Yes, homecoming. Yes, prom. These things are fun. The extras in life are fun. We love them. But the most important things in life have gone on uninterrupted, and they will continue to go on uninterrupted. With the fact that we have this technology, hopefully you're not restricting your student, your child from FaceTiming their friends or joining these online programs or encouraging them to maybe start something themselves. High schools are a rich environment to start clubs. Maybe your child's going to be the one to start an online book club if they love reading, but encourage them to be able to do it with other people, right? That's going to be critical. Or, you know, in certain states, sports are allowed. So if the school's not having it, maybe maybe something like that. Or an online video game club. A lot of kids really love the headpieces and and playing that online. But instead of doing it with strangers online or their online friends, have them do it with a couple buddies from school. Invite people that might be left out during this time. And I think we're going to see the way that clubs shift. And I think we're going to see shift towards that. But if your child's a leader, if they're a go-getter, or if you can encourage them to be, have them lead the charge on this. It might be fun, and it might be something to distract them from the abnormality of everything that's happening. Emery, you know I have a rising, or, or no, I shouldn't say rising, I have a high school senior. Mm. She has orientation tomorrow, and I feel like you're just speaking to us right now. This is brilliant and wonderful, and it's starting to all make sense to me, so I cannot thank you enough. So now that we've talked about K-12, through what about our college-age students? Because we have many living at home still. Absolutely, and this I actually think is the trickiest age of all because they're right on the brink of everything maybe they've always wanted. You know, when I was going off to college, I'm so close to my parents, but I was so excited for something new, that rush of freedom, just the exciting of the chance of to be in a different town, you know, to get that independence. So a college student, I'd say, how can you be creative within the home? Can you let them get new bedding? Can you let them repaint their room? Can they join an online club and group that their university is making available? Can you make the experience of living home different than how it was in high school so that they feel a little bit new, a little bit fresh? Let them do something. And then also give them a little bit more independence. That might be hard for some parents out there, especially when the kids are staying under their roof. And of course, obviously, when I say independence, we still want to be working within what's safe during this time. But, you know, if you were super strict about, when they came home or when they went out or when they woke up in the morning, if you wanted them to be up early, but they wanted to sleep in, if they're not taking online classes that are till two and they want to sleep in till 11, maybe start making, let them make these kind of silly decisions that college students make, like sleeping the day away. You know, I was a twice a day napper on some days, you know what I mean? So let them have that flexibility and maybe even give them the kind of independence that they wouldn't have necessarily wanted by college, but make them do their laundry on their own. 
make them start cooking on their own and give them that kind of independence that, oh, you know, well, I'm home, at least I won't have to do this. Test them in that. You know what I mean? Give them those kind of chances. Also, again, a college student is going to be able to understand that upper level of thinking like a high school student is. Talk to them about how much money they're saving by living home. When I went to graduate school, I moved back home to save money. But a lot of my friends that went to graduate school went in different states. I had friends that went to graduate school in Virginia and Pennsylvania, etc. And when I saw them, social media is a comparison game. I saw them in their new apartments. I saw them getting to go to concerts and try new things in the area they were living. And even though I was in the same stage of life, I was also going to graduate school and getting another degree to better myself. I felt like I was missing out on something because I wasn't doing something new. But then I thought about it. And the reason that I went to graduate school close by is because I wanted to save money. Again, not that I'm trying to compare too strongly, but my friends ended up in debt like many students do. And one day they'll pay those loans off. Absolutely. But now looking back, I'm so thankful that I did. And I made a group of friends at at home. I joined new things that I might not have joined within my sphere of being back at home. It's not like I fell back into, I have to do what I always did growing up here. I try new things. And so encourage your students to sort of think about the long-term savings that might be happening. Because across the U.S., some students are going back. For instance, my cousin is starting college this year, and he is moving from New Jersey to Virginia, and his college is opening, right? But there's lots of schools in the Northeast and the West that are doing virtually. So some of your children's friends might be going back to school and getting that quote-unquote freshman year experience or even going back to socialize their friends if they're upper college. And then other people won't. So don't let their, your child get trapped in that comparison game. Give them the independence. Maybe let them switch up their room or do something fun and exciting. And also be realistic with them and say, you know, you're saving XYZ amount of money that's going to help you long term. And and bring them into those more adult conversations that we might want to save our children from. And we're certainly not going to bring our younger children into, but college age child rather can hear that, understand that. And that might motivate them to really get through this time. Thank you for deciphering that. Cause it really is a tough time because they're right on the cusp of adulthood. You know, they mm-hmm. could be 18, they could be in their early twenties and, and it's tricky because you don't know how far to go, how far to pull in. So these are excellent practical tips. So I really thank you for sharing these. So now that you've enlightened us about our students and and pretty much what they're going through, and you gave us some really good tips, how can now we as parents prepare ourselves for these conversations? Because again, our stress levels are a little high and we're a little elevated. So what can you suggest for us to prepare and be ready? Just remember to keep your own fears out of it. Because that, again, I said it a little bit earlier, but that's save that for your private time with your spouse. Save it for your private time with your friends because you don't know if your children's fears are the same as yours. You might have wanted your kids to go back to school and they didn't want to. Or maybe they really wanted to go back, but you said a firm no, you're going to do virtual learning. And that's all okay. But we need to be prepared to have real conversations that our anxiousness and our fear isn't getting in the way of it. Take yourself out of it for a second and sit with your kids and give them the facts. And even if you find yourself, you disagree with your kid or they're being upset that they didn't get to go back because they really, really wanted to, still take yourself out with it. 
because their feelings are going to be valid here. It's okay that they really wanted to go back and it's okay that you didn't allow them to because of safety, but hear them out about why they wanted to and let them know, I know this is really hard for you. It was a hard decision for us to make, but it is our decision. But don't speak over them. Still let them tell you if you're going to open the floor to have a conversation and they say, and their opinion is not something that lines up with your own, don't squash it out. You invited the conversation, hear them out, acknowledge how they feel, and then still be in your role as a parent and tell them this is why we had to not do it. So just come in with the frame of mind that you're going to listen to your child, but you're also going to leave your own fears out of it. Extremely important tips. I really appreciate that. So now just to wind up our time together, do you have anything you would like parents to know? Absolutely. So my one last thing that I sort of want to hit on is I think that when we encourage our children to have conversations with us, eventually that's something they enjoy. But that has to be developed. So if this is the first time in your family's sort of dynamic that you're inviting emotional conversations, some of our kids might have a hard time warming up to that. Some kids are more naturally shy and closed off. So I just want to talk about what we can sort of be looking for in students that are having anxiety and children that are having anxiety about going back to school but aren't willing to tell you about it. So it could be signs like being irritable if you mention school, getting really annoyed when school is brought up like or angry as soon as school is brought up. Or maybe they're avoiding schoolwork. So if you're in part of the U.S. that's already gone back to school, if you find that your student's already avoiding schoolwork, that's a warning sign. If they're avoiding contacting their friends or if they're having physical symptoms of anxiety, such as a heart racing or feeling sick when school's mentioned, these are all going to be red flags that your child might be having anxiety related to school, but they're not willing to tell you. So instead of outright being angry, why have you not done your schoolwork? Could they be anxious about it? And think about that. Sit them down. Is there a reason that you're not doing your schoolwork before we just go after it? Because maybe they're having a hard time adjusting, but they just haven't wanted to talk about it. So there's going to be some kids that might say they're fine and they're not. And that's why we have to look for these warning signs in our kids when we do start or after we've already started. Emery, this has been a really powerful podcast. I think everyone is going to be able to pick up multiple tips that are really going to help. I mean, these times are so unprecedented and so stressful, and I just appreciate how you bring calm and practical solutions. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for being an important part of the FACT team, and just thank you for sharing your knowledge. Absolutely. Thanks so much, and good luck to everybody out there. We're going to make the best of it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I would like to direct you to FACTS Education Center to check out our new Family Activities at Home resources, which were developed to help you rehearse lunchtime at school, role play for the classroom, and many other activities. Visit foodallergyawareness.org to find FACTS Education Center. Thank you all for listening to FACTS Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, share, and review our podcast, and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Have a great day, and always be kind to one another.